When you know that you are queer, but your favorite drink is beer, that's gayish. You can bottom without stopping, but you can't stand going shopping, that's gayish. Oh, gayish, you're probably gayish. Well, life's just too short for narrow stereotypes, so it's gayish. We're also gayish. It's gayish with Mike and Kyle. Hello, everyone in the podcast universe. This is Gayish, the podcast with a heart of golden showers. Oh, <laughs> Great. fill me up, baby. <laughs> oh no. Oh yes. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. <laughs> and we're here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality. And today, today, uh, th- th- thump your Bibles. Yeah. Flip through the pages. Find Ezekiel seventeen forty one and and read it to me because we're talking about the Bible. Get ready to know your wife, everybody, because it's the Bible. Well, you're gonna make references to the Bible that I will not understand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, the, but people listening will. The Bible uses the word new, like, to mean they fucked. Oh. So, like, so-and-so knew so-and-so. Yeah. That means that they fucked. I knew, like, three guys this weekend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but first, uh, we're back in Seattle. We're in Seattle. After the live show. Yeah. In we, New York. Yeah, we had one week, and, <laughs> and now we're back to normal. Yeah. Uh Thanks again for coming to the show, everybody. It, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was a whirlwind trip for us. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was great. Looking forward to the, the the other ones. It was so nice meeting so many people that cared clearly cared a lot about us in the show. And I did not realize this. Like, I think most people there have social anxiety of some kind. So if you're worried about going to a show because of that, like, you will not be the only one there, and yep. you'll meet people that know gayish, know the show, and kind of get it and are cool and chill. That's just was my vibe from everyone we met yep yep absolutely there's there's also um a surrealness of like when people walk up to us and they're clearly nervous to talk to us mm. i'm like it's just kyle everybody <laughs> or no just- be fucking nervous <laughs> you shall tremble before me for i am your god that's oh, from the bible great yep yeah it's then uh, and is, i shall know you ezekiel or something okay great uh that's enough about that yeah great gagepodcast.com slash live know the news Shut your mouth hole, it's time for your ear holes. News, news, news. All right, this is not news the first, Kyle. Okay, what is it? Because he does not deserve a whole news item. If you don't want to hear me talk evil about dead people, you should skip ahead of several minutes. Pat Robertson is dead. Fuck that guy. Fuck everything he stood for. The world is a better place without him. I hope that he is rotting in hell. I would like to encourage everyone to use his grave as a public restroom. Fuck that guy. He is dead. End. Shit on his grave? Yeah. Evil. He's an evil, evil fucker. And if, for those of you who have the, like, don't speak ill of the dead thing, he fucking started it. Quote, AIDS is God's way of weeding his garden. Hmm. He said that as early as 1983. Fuck him. Yeah. Great. News the first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, news the first right here in my backyard at the bottom of the hill here on Aloha is a restaurant called Tenure. The owner of Tenure's name is Wasim Fayed. And uh, he is also, there are two locations to this restaurant. The other one is in a town called Sammamish, Washington. And uh, he was on the city of Sammamish Planning Commission. And they went through diversity, equity, and inclusion training um, a couple of weeks ago. And he came in front of a public, you can see it on YouTube, planning commission meeting on June 1st, so that he could say, among other things, quote, God, I don't think LGBT people should be considered a minority because of my Muslim faith. I disagree with that lifestyle. And uh, he described queer people in a lengthy diatribe as wealthy, well-connected disease spreaders who infect and poison the minds of children in schools through movies and television. Uh, He said that gay people are against God's intentions and uh, is just... A super duper fuck face dick bag asshole. Now, because of the backlash of it, uh, he resigned from the Sammamish Planning Commission. Oh, 
there has been a van that has been parked out front of the restaurant here with a QR code that points to the YouTube of him saying all of these things just openly like it's perfectly natural in a public meeting. That's really, wow, thank you to that person, whoever that is doing that. Yep, uh, so please don't eat at that restaurant. I know I'm being hyper-local. Really, really like, low targeting local, but hey. But but I do think that uh, there is a there is a theme here, and I've talked about it on the show a lot. They are extra crazy this year. Yeah. The anti-LGBT folks are extra loud, extra crazy. This is the worst year of my entire out life, and I've been out for 15 years. Yeah. Like, it is scary as fuck, and it's always about God. It's always about religion. So here's a theme for today's episode, because we're talking about the Bible. Yeah. This particular person is a Muslim, but, like, f- fuck, fuck everyone. Fuck their religion. Fuck their opinions about, like, who we are and what we deserve, and fuck this guy. He and Pat Robertson should, I don't know, bone or something. I don't know. Wow, fuck everyone this episode so far. Yeah. I mean, the weirdest thing to me is LGBT people should not be considered a minority. I know that was the least shitty thing of all the things you said, but like that's just statistics, baby. Like that's just looking at the numbers. There you can't you can't decide what is a minority because numbers exist. Like I mean, maybe that's that's why it's it's standing out is because truth does not matter and it hasn't since Trump Trump emboldened people to be out about their um being shitty people and I think that's continued to snowball in a not hot way to make <laughs> people be feel emboldened this year because of the far right emboldened yeah. to be extra shitty and vocal about it you are allowed to spew hateful horrible things that you used to have to pretend like you didn't like at least in to be decent in public Mm. and you don't have to anymore there are no repercussions for being a shitty horrible person right yep yep and i I, I, and it's fueling domestic terrorism well that's the thing i was just going to ask you if you have any sort of reservations about going to any pride events this year because like people have guns in this fucking country I have plenty of anxiety and I have plenty of social anxiety, but that's not my like anxiety. I think partially because I can't, it's just like, I can't add that to the list of things I'm worried about, or I would be frozen in fear all the time. I I think there's part of me that just tucks it away and doesn't think about it. And part of me that knows if, if someone's going to bring a gun, they could very well bring a gun to the bus stop that I'm standing at. They could, you know, like that, that's in this country, there's always some kind of risk that someone's going to bring a gun somewhere and, and do something horrifying because that happens all the time here. Yeah. So I think I've just washed that from my mind and, and so, uh, for better, for worse, I don't know. It's, yeah. So no, I, I, I don't think I have that anxiety. Do you? I, no, I don't. Hmm. Oh, or if I do, I decide to do it anyway. Here's the thing. I, yeah. I'll end the, uh, in this new segment with just the, the, the first news item, just by saying, if, your fear of potential danger to your person prevents you from going to something, I think that's okay. Yeah. Like, it's okay to listen to that. It's it's okay. And if you could bring yourself to do it anyway, I I think that there's, that, that we need as many people to do that as possible. Yeah. That, that like, if you stay home in a way, they win. So show up louder and gayer than ever. Again, if you can. And yeah. if you can't, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, news the second. Students at Carroll High School in Fort Wayne, Al- uh, Indiana, <laughs> were uh, planning to put on Adam Simkovitz's Marion or the True Tale of Robin Hood, which is a queer version of Sherwood Forest and its merry group of thieves. Some parents complained to the school district and said that portraying homosexuality on stage was sinful. So the school leadership informed the theater troupe that safety concerns prevented them from performing the play and shut it down. Students were shocked, so they did it anyway. Nice. Speaking of doing any doing it anyway, so um, they uh, they contacted local media and others, including a playwright, for support. Uh, a lot of this is because of eighteen year old Tristan Wasserman, and uh, they got eighty five thousand dollars raised through a GoFundMe account. They secured a professional venue, professional services, and did the play anyway. Wow, that's amazing. God, I'm like. Am I going to cook dinner tonight or order food? Like I, my the the amount of work that went into combating that hateful thing is very impressive to me. Yep. 
Kids are going to save the world, Kyle. That's a lot like, of pressure that we put on them to be like, sorry, everything's broken. Do you have the tape? Yep. <laughs> we certainly don't. Oh, God. But that's awesome that they did that. Yeah. Uh, that was that was May the 20th that they did it. It was at Follinger Theater. Uh, Indiana State Police and Indiana State Parks personnel were on hand to, to help out uh, with security. And um, they only had about 40 hours to rehearse it because they had advanced placement tests and finals during oh that God. period of time. <laughs> um, but I just think it's I just think it's magical. Yeah. Like just forgiveness versus permission. Y'all do it anyway. Yeah, absolutely. It's fucking great. News the last uh, a new documentary called Art and Pep has been released. Uh, what's the what is it on? I think it's on Netflix. Peacock. It's on Peacock. Thank you. Art and Pep, a new documentary on Peacock that documents the story of Art Johnston and Jose Pepe Pena, also known as Art and Pep, and uh, their roles as LGBTQ rights trailblazers. Among other things, though, they are the owners of the Sidetrack Bar in Chicago, which is where we're going to be doing our show. So if you want to familiarize yourself with where we're going to be doing our show, but also the fucking amazing story of the two dudes that founded it. Hmm. Uh, go go check that documentary out. I haven't seen it yet. I totally plan to. Lots of people have been like, please watch this. Um, but they've been together for 45 years and they have used Sidetrack as a hub for political activism in Chicago. And uh, they, they said, for instance, quote, bars were the center of any activism. We didn't have churches. We didn't have places to meet. So the bars were the natural place. I saw the harassment and I saw the way we were treated. And that sort of made a big difference in how I look at things and what things needed to be changed. Um, and it's just, it's, it's really, really interesting to me that they are like on the front lines of the HIV AIDS epidemic and using that platform and that venue as a place to do advocacy and education and um uh treatment uh, awareness and then every like local political thing that has to do with lgbtq rights in chicago that's been like the headquarters of it and anyway i i'm just i'm super stoked to see the documentary they're a goddamn adorable <laughs> and um we're, we're gonna go be in their backyard soon yeah and we're gonna go there and get up on stage and be like hey isn't it funny when guys fuck each other <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> you know like <laughs> these trailblazing icons and we're gonna be like hey you know what's funny shitting on people's graves yeah. <laughs> dicks and butts dicks and butts y'all dicks and butts anyway go see the documentary on peacock and and let me know what you think our documentary is going to be called dicks and butts sure <laughs> you can be dicks i'll be butts okay that <laughs> probably checks out <laughs> that's the news that's the news uh speaking of butts i want to thank the following assholes thank you to our <laughs> patreon <laughs> thank you to so many patreon supporters at our live show so many patreon supporters yeah patreon like it's, that's I think where it's more at. than half the crowd i think it seemed like it based on the the audience reaction but i want to thank i'm going to go ahead and say these are initials tja tja because otherwise your name is taha tja um jeffrey ishmael tom mm-hmm. moyer alago more <laughs> nailed it mayor algo that wasn't actually that hard i just got lost in the weeds um martin andrew Jason Solomon. Thank you so much for... We signed his nipples. I know that we bitch. We signed his nipples. <laughs> yep, at the live show. Hey, if you want us to sign your nipples. I mean, there was a t-shirt between us and the pen and Details, and Kyle. Nipples, they don't know. But, <laughs> um, but if you want to get bonus content, episodes, video, ads a day early. Nope. No ads. And episodes a day early. And just support us and what we do. Go to patreon.com slash gayish podcast i'm doing so bad this time and half off of live show tickets half off of live show tickets yeah do it do you want to talk about the bible i guess so i know you are like are you nervous about this episode at all no 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 not no? at all i wait why did you say that why did you think i'd be nervous i just think that the okay my perception maybe this isn't your perception at all my perception is that people are far more protective of the Bible than they are their religion or their particular sect of Christianity. That like, it's not okay to shit on the Bible. Mm. You can shit on the Catholic Church, don't shit on the Bible. I, and I'm so I'm afraid that there will be a lot of shitting on the Bible, dis- oh. despite 
having Joseph Peters Matthews, our favorite gay priest, is going to be here to talk about the Bible. But I, I think we're probably going to have a lot of critical things to say, and I'm a little bit worried that like people will have a stronger reaction to that than they might to our general distaste for religion on this show. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely like it's sacred so we're gonna it, this is like john muhammad like this is like yeah. doing something that you're absolutely not supposed to do and i don't really care because yeah. <laughs> i don't because your bible isn't sacred to me yeah. like if it's sacred to you awesome if you get and especially if lgbt people get some kind of power and strength and hope and happiness and joy and love from the bible that's awesome I'm so glad because I want people to find their happiness. And I think queer joy is part of resistance. And especially this year, if you can find a way to be happy, enjoy your life, celebrate yourself and who you are, if that comes from the Bible, one, I'm surprised, but two, fucking go for right, it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's just uh, what. So I think the critic, like, I, I, it's not holy to me. It yeah. doesn't matter to me. It's a book to me. People wrote it. We criticize lots of books for lots of different things. I'd say like one out of five stars would not recommend. Right. <laughs> I don't I don't care. Yeah, chapter two is very boring. Just so I you know. I started reading. It was like this person begat that person begat that person begat that person. And I was like, man, this is bad writing. We right. got to yeah. pick up. We got to narratively introduce <laughs> these characters in different ways than yeah. than this. We got to find some different. I, you're just listing a cast of characters right off the it's bat. So and so lived to be 900 years old. Like, no, already. No, I have. Uh, just, I have questions yeah. about this. <laughs> then again, Lord of the Rings. I think the elves lived to be 900. Yeah. So. It's a, Methuselah it's a, was an elf. I think that's <laughs> maybe this is a wonderful fantasy novel that I just I've just put it in the wrong frame of mind when I've tried to read it. So you, no, you have tried to read it though. I, someone handed me one of those little tiny pocket Bibles. Great. And like I literally like tried to read the first page, and I was like, "This is dumb." I just yeah. wanted to know all the what all the fuss was about. Yeah. Yeah. Have you? What's your? I used of, to. I used to be like. I used to go to Bible study. Mm -hmm. I used to like. I tried reading the whole thing and like a lot of people, like you just mentioned, I got fucking lost in Leviticus and I'm like, no, fuck this. I'm done. I'm done reading about shrimp rules or whatever. Uh, uh, <laughs> the Bible shrimp rules. <laughs> That's the chapter of Leviticus. <laughs> but, but like I, I know quite a bit mm. and, and enough to maybe be dangerous and, mm. but like, Obviously, also not a theologian. I'm not a fucking priest, which yeah. is why I'm excited that Joseph is going to be here. And he listens to the show. He knows what he's walking into. So yes. I, I'm pretty sure we can like not pull any punches and have a good conversation with him. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really appreciate him as a person and what he does in spite of what we say and, and do about religion. I, I And I don't know what the right approach is, but he's working from the inside to try to change things and preach yeah. what I believe is a more loving approach happy accepting version of the bible than i think some other christians know or believe yep yep um is there anything you specifically want to ask him um now well, now i want to know what sh what the shrimp rules are okay great <laughs> if he could really outline shrimp rules for me i think i think i'd be interested in that i'm pretty sure that the shrimp rules are just don't no no to shrimp <laughs> no to shrimp well that's a, that was an easy chapter next one yeah. matthew bacon there's ba also bacon rules bacon rules yes. bacon rules also no oh yeah sorry Man. Although I've never met a Jew that doesn't love bacon, so I I just <laughs> but they're not supposed to. Is that racist? I can't no. tell. Okay. That's is this is this like on Thirty Rock with the whole you can't say Puerto Rican? Like that's, that's, what, that's what they're called, Kyle. No. Stereotyping all of them as liking bacon. I, I said I limited it to my experience. I've never met a Jew oh, that didn't love okay. bacon. Hey Jews. <laughs> Do you fucking hate bacon? If you're a bacon-hating Jew, contact me. Contact Mike. Let him know that you do exist and you will be seen. Okay. Oh well, this is dangerous. Let's yeah. take a break before we, like, Keep get, talking. Cancel, get canceled. Do <laughs> you want to take a break? Let's take a break. Let's take a break. break. I'll pray for you. <laughs> Please don't. This is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. So are we back? We're back. We're back. We're 
I almost said we're going to do our chaos and straight. Well, I mean, eventually we'll get there. <laughs> uh, we're here with the, the the Reverend Father, the Reverend Joseph Peters Matthews, well, uh, or Father, and Father, uh, and Father, but two multiple ways. Yes, <laughs> Reverend just doesn't usually go with Father. Hmm. Oh, okay. Well, it does here. Sure. Yeah. Our house, our rules. This is our religion. <laughs> uh, welcome back we to the show. We have a whole style guide about how to address different kinds of clergy. Oh, so. Uh, it's good to be back, though. Am I giving you an inadvertent promotion by saying Reverend Father? No, no, oh, no. If you ma- called me the very Reverend, that would be the promotion. Oh, okay, great. Oh, well, he- the the very Reverend Joseph Peters Matthews. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about the the, the Bible and stuff and do like a personal check in. Uh, but but first, I do I want people to know in case they haven't heard the other episodes that you've been on because this is like number four, number five, something like that, something like that. Uh, you are a gay married. Episcopal priest, father of two. Yes, all of those things. All of those things. Yeah. Okay, so like when we talk about like, hey, let's talk about the Bible, like you know your shit, like this is what you do for a living. It's what I do for a living. I'm not a biblical scholar, but I do have a master's in divinity. So I had four semesters of Bible. Great. Excellent. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Well, that's that's more than everyone else combined that I think I know in yeah. my life. So yeah. Um. But yeah. First, personal stuff. So uh, last time you and your husband were on, and 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 your your first child, and you had a second child on the way. Yes, we did. Uh, and he is one now. Uh, his name is Finney, uh-huh. and he is very fat and happy. Great. <laughs> we thought that Topher was an easy baby. Um. And then we had Finney and realized how much easier he is. Oh, okay. Uh, Topher's now three, okay. uh, an absolute three-nager, um, <laughs> and it is much worse than two. Much worse than two? Oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah. they call it the terrible twos. And the trying threes. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Does four, is there some relief coming at four? Is it like the, the fun? fucked up four? <laughs> Close is what people say there. Mm-hmm. Oh. And no, five no starts relief. with an F2, so you're not going to get out of it by five, then. Five, they go to kindergarten, though. Oh, uh, you have a place for somebody else's problem. Yeah, great. Awesome. Tover's good. He's smart. He's learning new things every day. He just got a twin size bed, which he has been in a toddler bed, which is the same size as a crib mattress. Mm-hmm. And like, I forgot how much bigger twin beds are than crib mattresses until I was trying to bring a twin mattress home from Costco mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and had to fold it to get it to fit in the car <laughs> with children in car seats. Yeah. It, oh, like, like a taco? Uh, we did not fold it like a taco. We just like folded the back end of it and closed the door. So, Great. yeah, that's how I deal with my closets. So it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> like just shove it in there and close the door. <laughs> <laughs> um, wh- and what's it like having two now? Like that seems like it's more than just double the work. Yeah, it is more definitely more than double the work because nothing is static. Like every day there is something new with Topher and with Finny. Um, so like. Finn has two molars now that he didn't two weeks ago, um, but he's still waiting for two. And Topher's language really started to explode around his third birthday. He started going to a preschool two days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny to hear him talk because he knows like time-associated words, but doesn't know what they mean. <laughs> so okay. he'll say, last year we went to fill in the blank, but that could be yesterday, or that could be last week or last month. Or if he wants to do something more, he'll say, I, I need I need two minutes. And that could be two minutes or it could be 45 minutes that he wants to keep doing whatever. So it's, it's funny, except when you really need to know what he's actually trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Because the words have meanings and he doesn't really know them yeah. all the time. But what what makes things hard is that they can talk. He can talk back now. Mm. <laughs> not like sassy back talking. There's a little of that. There's just like constant talking and asking questions and a lot of it is just trying to understand like he's not being a jerk when he asks why lots of times yeah but sometimes i just want to close the car door and leave (laughs) (laughs) great (laughs) and not answer like why did you put my sunglasses in my cup holder i'm like so that you can reach them because in this car i cannot reach the floor of the back seat while i'm driving yeah like yep Yep. And in three minutes, you're going to be in the sun screaming that you want your sunglasses. Yep. Are there any more kids on the way? Um, No, there are not right now. Okay. Okay. Keep us updated on your fam. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the Bible now? Let's talk about sure. the Bible. Yeah. Okay. Let's just start. Wait, are, do we make, is it a nervous face? Do it like... No, uh, okay. I don't know what I'll be able to answer or not answer. So okay. I'll do my best and I'll tell you if I'm making something up. Great. Uh, 
and have further reading suggestions. Okay, great. <laughs> Is it going to be the Bible? It's not. Oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I just want to start by understanding I, I never grew up any kind of religious. And so I, when I was just thinking about the Bible, like, why is the Bible so important? Why is it the book that everyone talks about instead of other writings or other things or other, I don't know, surely there are important books out there as well. There are. Um, but if you, I mean, in the context of world religions, it's not uncommon to have some kind of sacred text that is stories or sayings or directions for living as a community some way or another. Uh, so the Christian Bible includes the Hebrew Bible or the Tanakh, which is also known as the Old Testament, um, that is still acknowledged and used by observant Jewish people today. Uh, Islam has the Quran. The Bhagavad Gita is very important uh, in Hinduism. Uh, so the Bible is Christianity's sacred scriptures, and it is the stories uh, of the Hebrew people uh, in the Hebrew scriptures. And then a random prophet um, who had people following him around that Christianity professes was crucified by the Roman state uh, and rose from the dead three days later. Uh, so that's in the four Gospels. Uh, and then Jesus. That's Jesus. That's You're talking Jesus, about Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then there's a little bit of history about the early church in Acts. And then most of the New Testament is Paul writing to churches. A miraculous conversion experience. Never met Jesus. And then just like sends out letters. Mm-hmm. So you're getting one side of a conversation mm-hmm. uh, that the church thought was important to maintain from its to remember how things were done so that things could would not be forgotten. So these are things that people wrote that somewhere along the way people were like, this is important for everyone to remember. Yes. This is important for people yes. to know about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there were, I don't remember the exact date that the canon was closed. So the canon is the authorized list of books in the Bible. But there are certain pieces. I mean, we have documents about texts that almost made it into the Bible <laughs> and didn't. Uh, the understanding uh, within most of Christianity is that the Bible is divinely inspired. What that means means different things to different traditions. Some traditions will maintain that, that God dictated every word in the Bible or that like God took possession of Paul and like made his hand move, made right? his hand move like it was a channeling experience. That is not our understanding of the Episcopal Church uh, that inspired is simply inspired and that God had a role in what was being written by particular people to particular people at a particular time. So if you write something like real rad, like I'm not talking just like good. I'm talking like incredible. Like Joseph Smith good. Could you? <laughs> that would be a new religion. If it, either a new religion or people would just study it. Because there are like really good things that people read, but that are not part of the Christian scripture. I'm fine for you to get into the Bible. I'm just saying, I think you're a good writer, and I think you oh, can make you. the Bible. I, I, I don't think I can. Uh, but I do Not according have... to the petition that I started. Everyone, okay. go to GoFundMe.com slash Joseph Peters Matthews. Am I getting the money from that GoFundMe? I don't know why I said GoFundMe, because I couldn't think of the name change.org. So when I was growing up, we were Catholic, had a big, big Catholic family Bible, and they're like books in there that are not in the niv or yeah that's a part of the reformation okay um, so a part of that is as like one of them was like habakkuk or something i think habakkuk or? is in the niv okay. but first and second esdras are not uh, yeah. the wisdom of solomon yeah. is not ecclesiasticus is not yeah so the hebrew bible canon the old testament was uh. not fully closed as christian scriptures were being written um so these books, this is called the Deuterocanonical Text, so the second canon, sometimes called the Apocrypha, that has been moved away from in academic and religious uh, language because Apocrypha implies apocryphal, so yeah. kind of secret or hidden, uh, which is not supposed to, that's not the perspective. Uh-huh. So those were written, councils of rabbis decided that those were not going to be in the Hebrew scriptures, mm-hmm. and early Christians were still looking to them. They were in the canon, but then through the Reformation, they were removed from most Protestant canons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Catholics still acknowledge them. In the Episcopal Church, our understanding is that they can be helpful for use, but are not necessary to understand God's message. Yeah. Yeah. So, And one of the reasons they were wound up being excluded in the Reformation is because they did not make it into the Hebrew canon when the Hebrew canon was closed. So it was a looking at Judaism did not keep these. So we will not keep these either. We will just keep 
the ones they kept and our books. This sounds so messy, Joseph. Like, I don't understand the whole, like, I don't know. How can you get away from the idea that, like, this is a bunch of dudes sitting around and deciding, like, what go, what's in, what's out? Do we like it or not? How do we... I mean, have you heard of our government? Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Our government doesn't proclaim to speak for God, though. That's true. And that's an important thing. Not, I mean, for multiple reasons. The government should not claim to speak for God. We'll see. 2024, everybody. Go vote. <laughs> uh, but I think, I, I think it's important to think about... I'm going to read this quote from Peter Enns, who wrote a book called The Bible Tells Me So. Um, oh. He is a biblical scholar. And... One of the things he says is many Christians have been taught that the Bible is truth downloaded from heaven, God's rule book, a heavenly instruction manual. Follow the directions and out pops a true believer. Deviate from the script and God will come crashing down on you with full force. Mm. But that's not historically how the Bible has been understood. So these dudes aren't necessarily even thinking of themselves as speaking for God and as much as trying to figure out how best to lead people who are following the same God as they are in a most faithful following. And then it gets into some circular logic, potentially, that is not logical because mm-hmm. it's circular. Um, but it's not... It's people coming together, and there's an acknowledgement that it's people. So only the most naive think that conclave, where a new pope is elected, doesn't have some politicking involved. Sure. And politicking can be part of discernment. Like, people who wrestle with faith and like actively engage it can understand that 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 doesn't mean that God is not present or acting. It's just that people are involved too. So you have to figure out like what is the best decision going to be. So right. let's let's talk about the Bible and queer marriage then. Great, right? Like, what is there? Is there a biblical foundation for saying that gay people shouldn't be married? No. Okay. Or that, and there's not one for saying that they should either. Great. Uh, because the 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 Bible is um, it's a collection of stories of people trying to get through and. If we understand the Bible as the Episcopal Church does, as contemporary scholarship does, uh, that it's not this rule book like I just quoted Inns talking about. It's, there are shrimp rules. We talked about that before you got here. <laughs> there are shrimp rules. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but pork rules and polycotton blend rules. Um, what, are, what are the shrimp rules? <laughs> don't eat shrimp in the desert because it could kill you. <laughs> I mean, I you, didn't know I, that I needed that advice. You, I, it's sound advice (laughs) so the short version of the purity code found in the hebrew scriptures particularly in the first five books of the bible is kind of public health measures Mm -hmm. and how to keep what is really a small tribe of people who keep being conquered and taken over alive and to help them keep their identity um as who they are so commandments about worshiping god uh saying the shema hero israel the Lord is one, the Lord is God, that there is one God. So don't go marrying people who believe in lots of different gods because then you lose your understanding of who you are. Um, The rules about the dietary rules uh, are things that make sense from a public health perspective in 2000 before the common era uh, for a small group of people in the desert, like don't eat shellfish because shellfish goes bad really easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't eat pork because pork is really dangerous unless it's really well cooked. Um, so there's not necessarily something inherently bad or evil about these other pieces, uh, but there are rules for keeping people alive. So the uh, prescription against uh, same-sex activity in Deuteronomy kind of has the same objective. Children don't result from gay sex and if you're trying to keep a tribe together and alive and growing you need to have sex in a way that creates children uh, and gay sex doesn't so in that context did they actually say don't have like same-sex relations yeah yeah there's deuteronomy 1822 is like man shall not lie with man yeah so there is i mean there's a it's not like a mistranslation or a misunderstanding no those are just the words and if you take the bible at face value at its words as just they are, then there's lots of problems with how we do everything in life today. There are some people out there, like is it, uh, Boswell one of them, that, 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 are, that would say that that's not actually what that meant, that that was not a prohibition against gay sex, that that's a mistranslation, misunderstanding, a oversimplification, a, a overreach of, of authority or something. But then there are those, and it sounds like you're one of them, who are like, nah, it says don't have gay sex. But yeah, 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 right. And I think that 
uh, is it Boswell who wrote same-sex unions in pre-modern Europe? Yep. Okay. He deals more with the New Testament and his writing. I just said yes without actually knowing. Oh, but like that's that's I'm so who confident. I, that's though. who I thought I was referencing. Yeah. So yeah. Um, he uh, I really like his his book, um, but he is dealing more with writings of writings of the New Testament and Paul. So uh, and what we do, it's not so much a mistranslation, uh, but it is a misapplication and and kind of that that Paul is writing about a couple of things happening, including temple prostitution of men and women, um, but also just the Roman system of having catamites in a way that is abusive. What's a catamite? A catamite is if like you or Mike has like a teenage boy who is just a hole, sir. uh, Kind of. (laughs) Sort of your apprentice, but also that. um, In addition to Mike having a wife. And then... Well, okay. That was not meant to be on the nose. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but then he ages out and perpetuates the cycle of abuse. Um, and that's a cycle of abuse. So I, I think Boswell would, I haven't read that text in a while, but an understanding would be that what Paul is more writing about is not being in right relationship and abusive relationships. That so there was not a concept of same-sex marriage in the cis-hetero-patriarchal society of the first century. It just wasn't a thing. But as Boswell documents, or whoever wrote Same-Sex Unions in pre-modern Europe... It it is. um, There came to be rituals within the church for committing people to life together. Men together, women together, men and women, women that weren't necessarily sexual, but that might have been. And there's one one of the rites, ceremonies, is the making of friends. But it's super-duper gay. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. I guess we, we have to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Sure, we can. Yeah. Is that is that about not having gay sex or not? Absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not. I mean, even the Bible itself says it's not. <laughs> Great. Um, like, even in the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures say that the sin of Sodom uh, is not sodomy. It is inhospitality. Uh, so, God sends visitors to Lot, and, I mean, the story itself is not great. Like... The locals want to, there's new men visiting, there are angels, and then the locals want to know them, uh, to rape them. Um, I told you, Kyle. You did. The, well, you said sex, but yeah. I, I said, yeah, I said the, the verb to know means to bang. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Lot sends his daughter out instead, because he knows that these are messengers from God, so not great. Yeah. And then, the, but the destruction is not about, oh, we tried to bang angels. It's about showing the hospitality to visitors on a consistent level, and um, there had been warnings and trials. One of the things that Inns talks about in his book, The Bible Tells Me So Really Well, is that as the stories are recorded, not just modern readers, like historical readings, have an understanding that they're not necessarily written as history books the way history is done since the Enlightenment, Um, that there is a different kind of historiography going on, which we studied in my history degree. Um, so one of the things Inns says toward the end of the book is that God being written about as an angry warrior throwing destruction everywhere doesn't necessarily mean that God was an angry warrior throwing destruction everywhere. It's how the people who were encountering God experienced and remembered God. And one of the things Inns does is compare what the texts record to just like the archaeological, archaeological record. So there's just... There, there are massive destructions that are supposed to have taken place that there's no documentation of. And so what you could do with that is you can say, oh, the history is wrong. Or you can say, God hid it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, mean, I had a friend in college whose grandmother thought that dinosaur bones were temptations from the devil. Sure. Um, yeah. Because dinosaurs aren't mentioned in the Bible. Yeah, birds aren't real. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> They're all spy cameras. Um, or you can say these people weren't writing history. They were writing a story. And that... Somehow or another, they triumphed. And so they recorded that triumph by saying, God threw hellfire and brimstone and obliterated this city. But there's no, like, giant brimstone deposits where that place should be. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So it's more about how, how to perpetuate the myth. Hmm. 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 What myth? Any of the myths in the Hebrew scriptures. Hmm. Starting with the creation myth. Like, oh. It's interesting because you're talking about like all the context that comes along with any particular line or story. And I feel like when they're used against people, they don't come along with this nuance that you're describing. Right. And that's one of the problems with 
what has happened in American, starting in American history uh, and American Christianity is just the creation and rise of fundamentalism, which was a reaction to early 20th century liberalism that stemmed from studies in literature and just completely uh, demythologizing all of the texts. So you've got academics saying, all of this is a myth, so it doesn't matter. Hmm. Or saying, oh, those miracles couldn't have happened because God doesn't do miracles. Like, there are natural laws. And so in response, you get people who just want that old-time religion, who've never dealt with nuance, and now everything they believe is being questioned. So they sharply respond. Um, And then their descendants, um, intellectual descendants, if not genealogical are the ones who show up at pride with signs um, because there's, there's just a rejection of nuance and critical thought. Um, This, this this phenomenon that you're talking about now suddenly reminds me of the backlash against trans people. Like the idea that trans people exist are real. It like are forced to be reckoned with there. The backlash against that is just from this, like being afraid that the world makes less sense. Yeah. It, but but it, let's let's go back to the the assholes with signs. Yeah, the, the world makes less sense is a great way to put it because it's easier for some people to just think. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the bumper sticker. Something to the effect of, "Oh, it's God said it. I believe it. That settles it." And right. like, mm-hmm. pro tip: don't get your theology from bumper stickers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you believe in the God of the universe, however you understand that, more likely than not, they cannot be contained in the words of a bumper sticker. Yeah. Uh, so some nuance is going to be necessary. But are some people getting this message from people in your position, from pastors, from leaders, absolutely from the church in, in other in other traditions more so mm-hmm. than mine? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, who may or may not have studied to learn the nuance in history that I've been sharing. So I read this book, The Bible Tells Me So, a few years ago. I had checked it out from the library on Kindle, and then I bought it, but because it was a library book, I didn't do any highlighting. I was hoping to like come with a notebook full of quotes. <laughs> uh, and I was like, I'm not rereading this book between Thursday and today. Yeah. Um, we don't do that much prep. You shouldn't either. <laughs> but one of the things he talks about is that he went to college and graduated from a Christian school and realized that he didn't know really anything about this faith he claimed to have. Mm. So he went to seminary to actually learn it. uh, And then he did a PhD in biblical studies at Harvard. And he talks about them as three turning points and like having to figure out, and he wound up losing his job at the seminary where he had gone because he just couldn't not have the nuance and people wanted the simplified version, but God is too complex and understanding Christian stories, let alone beliefs are too complex to just boil down to God said it, the Bible says it, or the Bible says that I believe it, that settles it. Mm-hmm. I mean, existing to me, it, it seems like a challenging spot you're in, existing in a world where so many people are using their positions of power against someone like you yourself. Yeah. How do, how do you survive in that world or what do you do in that world to well, kind of keep I, the faith? <laughs> I found a faith that would have me, for one, and that's kind of been a discussion a little bit on Twitter in my circles this week is that you don't have to stay in a church or seminary that hates you. Mm. Um, <laughs> there are alternatives. And that was its own like thing uh, for me because I grew up Baptist in Alabama and then I spent some time in the United Methodist Church and I joined the Episcopal Church in college. Queerness was not the most important thing to that conversion, but it was a part of it. Sure. And knowing, I mean, so I was confirmed in 2008 um, Gene Robinson had been the openly gay bishop of New Hampshire for five years by that point. Yeah, yeah, I know that guy. Um, I know that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and even when he was ordained bishop, like he had a bulletproof vest under his vestments. Mm-hmm. And there were protesters outside talking about how God hates fags, God hates the Episcopal Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the way I deal with it is not dealing with assholes if I can help it. <laughs> um, just not. <laughs> It's been a really hard learning, but a good one that I don't have to give bad faith actors any time. (laughs) Like we sent out some postcards at my church to invite people to a cookout two weeks ago. And uh, someone called the Thursday before and they said they had some questions about it. And I'm like, that sounds great. What's what's going on? He said, well, I want to know why you have the symbol for a terrorist organization on the back of your postcard. I was like, I'm sorry. And he said, yeah, this Black Lives Matter logo. Mm. And I said, 
we'll pray for you, sir. Have a good day. And hung up. Like, <laughs> And he called back like 15 times. And I answered one of those times. And then I spent 45 minutes on the phone with the phone company to block unknown numbers yeah. <laughs> yeah. because i don't owe him time like he is not paying me to be at church my church people are and there's work to do and clearly if that's your starting point you're not interested in a conversation sure like you just want to scream at me and i got other things to do so when people are wanting to talk about god and the gay if they are interested in a conversation i can usually tell if it's good faith interaction or not and like i spend time doing that and if they're just like trying to gotcha me I don't have time. I have two children under the age of four and a church and a husband and a social life. So that's that's how I keep the faith is by being among people of faith who support me in all of me. Yeah. And knowing what I know, both from academic training and my own experience. I think the downside is that totally makes sense for your personal life to get through day to day and be able to live. I think we also, though, many like you nor I or nor many of us even though I'm not religious, have the luxury of not dealing with it because the Bible then gets used in political context to make laws, to mm-hmm. start movements against us. So there is part of it. I'm I'm not able to hang up the phone on that part sure. of it. That's frustrating. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> well, it's frustrating for me. Yeah, because even people, fundamentalists or self-proclaimed literalists, like, aren't. Uh, every, they, they accuse queer folk and queer Christians of picking and choosing what to believe, but they do the same thing whether they realize it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's an awareness of that confirmation bias mm-hmm. um, that sometimes I can point out and sometimes I can't. So my go-to is in John 6. So a, a part of the Reformation is rejecting the real presence of, of Christ in the Eucharist. And so extreme Protestant types say that communion is just a symbol, that nothing happens. But they also say that they're literalists. And in John 6, like Jesus is very clear. It's it's not even like in the synoptics where he's with his friends the night before he dies and says, take eat, this, this is my body. Uh, he's much more explicit saying, uh, I'm the bread of life. Those who eat of my flesh and drink of my blood will not die. And it's not, there's no metaphorical reading there um because the greek verb for eat there is the same word that's talking about chewing on this isn't like those who eat of me who understand my teachings consuming me that way like no this is about eating bro yeah um (laughs) they're not interested in literalism about that so i and it catches them off guard that i know that too like because i grew up in that worldview and i know the Bible, not as well as some people, but better than a lot of people. Yes, um, I would hope better than most people. I, <laughs> I'm also really good at finding commentaries, like look for someone smarter, use their words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we were talking about bad faith actors uh, just a little bit ago. I'm interested in figuring out if this is a bad faith actor, and then I have a, a question for you. So in 2022, Utah passed a law that banned books containing, quote, pornographic or indecent material from the public libraries of K through 12 schools. And then someone, uh, an, an anonymous person, wrote a formal complaint saying that the Bible meets that criteria for prohibition in libraries and then a the davis school district in utah reviewed the bible under that law and found that yes it's inappropriate for kids under high school age first is that was that was that person acting on bad faith i don't think so i think they were responding to bad faith laws yeah okay that's okay i had so they're working within the parameters of what has been set up and it's what, church, you. it's what the Church of Satan does, right? Like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, sucks for you, LDS folk, Christians who got this law through, but like, these are your standards. Here we go. So, so then, so then, but the, the, the question that I, that I want to have a discussion about here is, is the Bible appropriate for kids? I think it's context. I think, what is appropriate? Is, I, don't, I don't have kids. You're the one with yeah, kids. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, what we read to Topher is a children's Bible because uh, a lot of the Bible is stories of sometimes of miracles. And some of those are horrible things if you just read them as they are. Uh, so, there are coffee mugs that 
some of my colleagues that have that have like an arc with a rainbow from Noah's Ark, but it's like Noah's Ark is not a children's story because it's about God destroying all of humanity and creation, sure. except for Noah and his family. But they had a lovely sailing adventure. <laughs> <They're>, they, everyone <laughs> went fishing. No animals ate each other on the boat. They're all friends. Uh, and, and there's a, I think now to see seminary professor whose career was dedicated to what she called the texts of terror. And that's one of them. Great. Um, Abraham being about to sacrifice Isaac, his son, is another. Yeah. These are stories that I grew up with. And, like, they never scared me because of how I was receiving them, which was from people who loved me telling the stories and getting beyond, in some ways, potentially bypassing, like, just skipping around the terror and destruction. Uh, But the point of the story is not so much everyone was evil, so God destroyed everything. Look how powerful God is. I mean, that's certainly part of it. Look how powerful God is. But as much as that, as much of it is... um, that God didn't destroy everyone, that there were people who were saved for following directions, which could instill some authoritarianism. Oh, just comply. Lives <laughs> matter, everybody. Yeah, okay. But the point is that there was salvation, particularly when you look at the archaeological record and there was no global flood about the time this was written. And that's what a lot of the stories in the Hebrew scriptures are, is like something happens, but God comes through. God does not abandon uh, the Hebrew people. So, I mean, is the Bible inappropriate for children? Is, and I'm not meaning this as a kind of gotcha. I, I think it's the same standard of how much of Greek and Roman mythology are appropriate for children in the same vein. Yeah. So if we think about how much raping Zeus does and yeah. like all the forms he takes <laughs> to rape people. Or um, like Oedipus scooping his own eyeballs out because he accidentally banged his mom. That's like, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe not for a four-year-old. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, I think... That certain parts of the Bible are more maybe kid friendly. And by the time a child is checking a Bible out from the library, like they're probably able to read whatever is available to them. Like when I think about my elementary school library, we did not have a King James version of the Bible. Hmm. We might have had some Bible stories or a condensed version, something more age appropriate to an elementary school, Mm -hmm. as opposed to my middle school, like had copies of the Bible right beside other world mythologies mm-hmm. like that's and that's what people get think they're being clever when they move the bible into the fiction section uh, but the bible is classified as nonfiction uh, per the dewey decimal system not because it is fact but because it is a, a cultural piece of mythology <laughs> i remember when i was a kid my friends told me about the apocalypse they like that was the one thing that i knew from the bible they were like there's this guy, I was at a sleepover and my two friends who were religious were like the apocalypse, there's going to be fire. It's really terrifying there. That's so like, you need to get saved and not get left behind. And it is imminent. And fucking Christians have been saying this for 250 years that like at the end is nigh, get your shit straight. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's just, it's terrifying. It's yeah. spreading terror to vulnerable people. I think, I think, yeah part of it it did for me that scared the shit out of me to hear that like everything's gonna go up in flames and we're all gonna burn if we don't do like a certain thing that that my that me and my family were not doing yeah uh so the, the, the apocalypse is daniel and ezekiel and and the book of revelation right like how do you feel about all of that i love the book of revelation do you yeah why is it because it's an amazing prince song no no okay. uh it, because it's a very dramatic super duper dramatic uh, retelling of the gospels. So when you stop trying to, when you follow Jesus directions of stop trying to predict when the end is uh, and look at what the text says, again, the story is not about the destruction. It's about the salvation um, and God rebuilding everything in Isaiah. Cause Isaiah doesn't deal so much with apocalyptic visions, but Isaiah talks about the, the, the new Jerusalem, the heavenly cities portals always being open and everyone coming in. And Revelation is talking about God's defeat of evil at the cosmic level uh, in very cosmic language in the way that the Gospels talk about it at a much more pedestrian level of Jesus, the person dying and rising from the dead, thus defeating death. Whereas uh, in Revelation, it's the end of time and like all evil fully being defeated forever. And this expectation of it being the end is not just the last 250 years, it's always been the case like because jesus said i will not be with you 
until the end of this generation. Mm. But by the second century, people are realizing, okay, we have to figure out what to do because <laughs> Jesus hasn't come back. And I'm trying to remember which letter from Paul, I think it's Thessalonians, first Thessalonians where the phrase that like Republicans often use about when, when they're trying to implement means testing for social programs, mm. um, which the data show does not work. Like at all, just doesn't work. Feed people. That that's what helps people get jobs. Is not not starving. So they'll say that if you don't work, you shouldn't eat, um, and they'll, they'll quote the Bible. But you don't even have to have a degree to like look at that in its context. My summary of that whole letter is: Yes, Jesus is coming back, but don't quit your day job, <laughs> <laughs> because that's the problem that Paul is writing to: is this group within the church at Thessalonica who have decided they don't need to work because Jesus is coming back, but they're living in basically a communal society, like a commune. So other people are working, other people are feeding them, and they're like, "No, we don't have to work because Jesus is coming back." And Paul's like, "You're a drain to this group of people who have opted into this lifestyle. You need to participate." People who don't work now are not not working because Jesus is coming back. Like there is, yeah. <laughs> it is a very different context. And you shouldn't use the Bible to prove text laws about poor people. Like the Bible is very clear what how God feels about the poor, and it's that God is on their side. Yeah, 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 yeah. What does the Bible say about things like love and acceptance of people? Big fan. Big fan. <laughs> I mean that I I feel like we always hear kind of the the don't be gay or don't lie with man or other things. And I feel like we miss some of the other parts of the Bible. I don't think we hear that as often from people, not from people who are making scenes typically. No. Mm. And I think there are some layers to that. And that churches are kind of walking thin lines, trying to demonstrate acceptance in some ways. Um, like the diocese of Olympia has a presence in the pride parade here. Mm. And there are, People within the church, queer people within the church who push back and say the church shouldn't be at pride. The church still needs to be doing its own work in its own house and let queer people have a space where they're not dealing with religion, positive or negative experience, positive or negative, because it is traumatic for some people and is, uh, can be triggering. Even if the speech is attempting to be speech of love rather than speech of hate, there are people who just don't want to hear it and would like an escape from it. Hmm. Um, so I thought about that. Do you think religion should be at pride? I don't know. Huh. Hmm. A, a, a different a different form of, of sort of the same question. What what would you say to somebody who would tell us in our DMs or hate mail that having a priest on our show is triggering? Oh, um, I don't know. I, I would I would apologize for whatever for the hurts they've experienced. Hmm. Um, I think y'all do a pretty good job of making your topics known up front, like in the name of them, like in the name of the episode and that it's worth skipping. Uh, If, if you know that that's going to be your experience, someone could just not listen. And that's how a lot of safety and avoidance of triggering experiences works anyway. I think that's why there are content warnings Mm -hmm. of like this contain, this short story contains an instance of rape, like Mm -hmm. skip it. If that's going to be a thing for you, here's the upfront piece. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I would, if they were talking to me, I would apologize to them. And I'd ask what the church had done to hurt them, hmm. knowing that I couldn't probably fix it, but that there might not have been anyone in their life who has just listened to them hmm. from the church and say, that was wrong. I'm sorry. Which is an experience I had not, I had more than once. Uh, it, when I was in seminary in New York, I was a regular at a gay bar in the West Village. And like multiple guys told me about how a priest had abused them or their brother brother or their cousin. And some of them were just wanting to use me as a verbal punching bag mm. because they had not had that opportunity. And like, that comes with the job for me. So I took it uh, <laughs> uh, and apologized. And some of them calmed after the apology because they'd never heard someone from uh, still associated with the church not be defensive mm. and not say that was wrong and shouldn't have happened. I'm sorry. I'd probably never go back to church and that's that's fine but that there is there is space for the church to own its past wrongs in in lots of areas to sort of go back to to Kyle's question too I'm I'm curious are uh the, the bible gets used the clobber verses and all of that bullshit to yep. like to the shit on on queer people and uh, are are there any like 
verses or parts of the Bible that are queer affirming that like people can and should turn to? Not explicitly. Uh. I mean, there's there's some reading in uh, that can happen. I mean, arguably, King David married his best friend Jonathan. Like they had a kind Aww. of commitment service of some sort. Cute. Uh, but the Bible is not written. Its intention is not to be queer bashing or queer affirming. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what we can look to is Jesus' direction to love everyone and how that is reiterated throughout the New Testament for Christians. We can look at what Jesus does talk about. Like Jesus talks a whole lot more about care for the poor than he does sexual ethics at all. And he does talk about marriage some. So, yeah, um, Paul's chapter on love, 1 Corinthians 13, that gets read a lot at weddings is is a great kind of metric or measuring stick for it to I don't want to say hold up in sign holders faces because they don't care. Like they're not actually trying to engage. Yeah. Uh, but but to ask if someone is acting in good faith, like ask them if they are being patient, if they're being kind, uh if they're being self-seeking or not because like Paul gives a pretty solid working definition of specific components of acting in love that you could measure yourself against and Kind of great yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. My very good friend, Donna Sugars. Hi, Donna. That we play WoW with on Mondays. She said we should talk about hypocrisy in general, but more importantly, Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. And in that list is not gay shit. No. <laughs> but in that list is a bunch of stuff that I see a lot of Christians doing. So make a sign and stand beside them. That's a great idea. <laughs> Let's do that. Do you want to do that, Kyle? Yeah. Hold up a sign that says, don't stir up shit. Yeah. The, <laughs> dash the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feed the rush, rush into wickedness or whatever it says. Yeah. Just that's what your sign could say. Mm. Your feet are rushing into whatever and then put compare CF. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So in Patreon, we're going to talk about some gata. Yeah. I have a little bit of gata on acceptance of gay people and trans people that we'll, we'll talk about and break down a little bit. Awesome. And just do you, do you have a favorite verse? It seems maybe like asking somebody to I don't know oh, pick their favorite child. Pick their favorite child, <laughs> which is Finny, right? No, I'm <laughs> I don't think I have a favorite verse hmm. right now at this point in life. Yeah, I, I like that. I, I think your favorites should always be written in pencil. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Um. Okay. So, uh, do you want to take a break? Yeah. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Break. This is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. Should we all just listen to Kesha? No, Padam Padam. That's, that's the that's the gay anthem of the summer, apparently. Mm-hmm. It has been ordained by by Reverend <laughs> Kylie herself. There was the conclave of the elder gays <laughs> <laughs> put the white smoke up the chimney and <laughs> declared. Dude, I, are we back? We're back. We're back. We're going to do our gayest and straightest. We're going to do our gayest and straightest. But first, uh, Reverend Holy Father Joseph, tell us where can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Tell us all the things. Uh, people can find out more about me on Sunday mornings at 930 a.m. Uh, at St. Hilda St. Patrick Episcopal Church in Edmonds. Uh, we live stream all of our services as well. You do? Um, yeah. Ooh. Okay. Thanks, pandemic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And thanks, Diocese, for money for to be able to do that. Um, so, yeah, there's live stream on YouTube every week. Uh, I'm also on uh, Twitter, Joseph P. Matthews, 1T in Matthews. Same handle at Instagram, Joseph P. Matthews. So that's where I am. Uh, what else? What are you doing for Pride? I don't know what I'm doing for Pride. Mm-hmm. That is weeks away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it feels like an excuse, but I also understand why I've heard it from other parents before. Like, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. Yeah. Other than going to church, like anything that is malleable, the plans will change. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of plans, you should make plans to come out to our tour. Yeah. Uh, if you want to see us in Chicago, that's July 29th. Hey, LA. wait. Oh, buy your Chicago tickets now because the price goes up in just like three days. So oh, what like, date? Uh, the, the, so the, the pre-sale price is good until 
uh, Friday the 16th. So the day this episode drops, you've got like today and tomorrow to buy cheaper tickets. And then, and then so save yourself the eight bucks or whatever it is and get your tickets by June 16th. Seattle is June 23rd. Chicago is July 29th. San Francisco is August 13th. LA is September 10th. And Houston is October 15th. That's uh, my come birthday. Out and see us. Oh, happy birthday. Come, come to Houston. To Houston for your birthday. <laughs> I shan't. Um, go to gayishpodcast.com slash live for all of that. Speaking of which, gayishpodcast.com is our website. We are on socials at Gayish Podcast. Our hotline, you can send us text messages or leave us voicemails is 5855-GAYISH. That's 585-542-9474. Standard rate supply. Exactly right. Our email is <laughs> gayishpodcast at gmail.com. And our physical mailing address is post office box 19882, Seattle, Washington, 98109. Uh, gayest and straightest? Let's do our gayest and straightest. Uh, I will go first. The gayest thing about me this week, I may or may not be dating a married man, which we're not going to go into, but uh, we went to a gala last night, and he brought me a boutonniere. Oh. I had a pretty flower on my suit, and I just, I turned bright red, and it was adorable, and I just, getting flowers from another man is like, that's a that's a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's cute. Uh, and then the straightest thing about me this week, uh, I worked out with Hot Dakota, the hot trainer, mm-hmm. again, and the whole session we talked about Diablo 4. <laughs> <laughs> so excited about the Necromancer. Play Diablo 4, everybody. Sure. I love we'll it. love that Necromancer. How about you, Kyle? Um, my gayest is that Look, when- Corpse Explosion is amazing. Like, you kill something and there's a corpse, and then you can push another button and the corpse explodes hmm. like a zit and hurts the other... Anyway. So. My straightest is listening to that conversation. <laughs> okay, great. My straightest is I am trying to avoid using Instagram. Oh. I think gays are like supposed to be on Instagram and they follow everyone and they have all their socials and all that shit. And yeah. I'm trying to not do that. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to avoid Instagram. Great. That's my straightest. I need you to do some though. For no. The, for the show. No. I mean, and Derek handles our Instagram. But yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. I, anytime I'm on there, it just makes me feel bad about stuff. So hmm. um, my gayest is that when we were in New York, when I got back to the hotel room, I would just turn on the TV. Since when do I watch TV? That's a weird thing, like with commercials and everything. And uh, I would I looked on the TV guide thing and I found Golden Girls. So I watched me some Golden Girls uh, both nights in the hotel room. That's awesome. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Joseph Peters Matthews, what about you? Uh, my straightest this week was because my family is out of town. Uh, I just seared myself a ribeye and had it by myself with a nice glass of washington Syrah. and then wonderful my gayest has been binging star trek discovery because like are there straight people on that show <laughs> oh god it's season three especially yeah it's just there's like they're this, yeah there's this trans lesbian couple who are like 12 yeah 16 uh, ish but yeah and then the lesbian engineer who might not actually be a lesbian i don't know yeah uh jet reno yeah, Jet, sure. and then yeah. Mark from Rent, who's super gay with his hot doctor husband. Yeah. So, yeah, oh, I, this God. is a gay show. Um, yes, there are moments there. <laughs> there are there are moments when there's literally zero cis straight white men on screen, and like that is fucking fabulous. Yeah, it helps when half the cast is aliens. I mean, oh, that's true. That's true. I should have said humans. I should have added humans to my list. Of <laughs> With Star Trek, you have to add humans. Most shows you don't have to add that. But yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Joseph, thank you so much for being here. It's and, been a pleasure. And for being just you and your wonderful self and dealing with our bullshit. Yeah. It's great. You still hold the record of most guest appearances out of anyone. Right? Oh, no. Maybe your mom might be ahead. You know, I don't think she counts. She has her own segment. That's true. That's true. That's very true. We'll get we'll get the Bible with Joseph as a segment going. <laughs> I also want to thank our super gap bridgers, Andrew Bugby, William Bryant, Christopher M. John Crowley, Stephen Porchio, Stosel, Harry Shaw, Josh Copeland, Jonathan Montanez, Wadu, Forrest Nail, Patrick Martin, James Barrow, Steve Douglas, Explosive Lasagna, Michael Covington, Just Jamie, Kevin Henderson, Thomas B., Timothy Sora, Dusty Sands, A.E. Coleman, Chris Cachatorians, and Jerome York. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your support. That's it. This has been Gayish from the Chris Cachatorian Studios. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. Until next week, be butch, be fabulous, be you. Be buying your tickets for Chicago, dickbags. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the the term for how Anglicanism is organized is autocephalous. Um,
and it self, means self head uh, sort of yeah. local locally governed that's yeah. like um, i gave myself syphilis like yeah. I, I fucked my own self and got syphilis 